lost my voice this week. So if you can't hear me, I'm sorry. This is actually much better than it was. It's also just kind of, this is a weird weekend for a lot of reasons, but uh, everybody coming through the door keeps wanting to say good morning because there's the, uh, there's this, there's the regular Saturday 5 p.m. crew here, and then there are all these Sunday morning or Sunday evening people here also. They might even be in your seat, but uh, we're, we're all just, we've got a strange schedule and a weird, a weird rhythm for Mass this weekend. Because Advent is so quick this year, the, uh, the fourth week of Advent is like one day long. Because of that, I, I refuse to say Merry Christmas so far. Okay, I haven't said it to anybody. Many people have said it to me, but I said, we got to at least, at least get through the one day that is the last week of Advent before Christmas. But I think because Advent has been so quick, I was just realizing I do not feel prepared for Christmas. I don't, I don't feel ready for it. And it makes sense. We had, we had a week less than usual. But do you feel ready for Christmas? I, Advent is supposed to be our own entering in and living and experience the biblical waiting for the Savior. So basically it consists of three things. Advent is supposed to be our entering into darkness, our entering into the promise, and our entering into waiting. So those three things, darkness and promise and waiting. In some ways, it's easy to enter into darkness in Advent because the days have been getting shorter and shorter. And it's on purpose, actually. It's something significant and symbolic that we just had winter solstice, the shortest day of the year and the longest night because it's only in, in the deepest darkness that the light of the world comes. When we talk about entering into darkness, though, we're talking about like acknowledging and, and feeling in a, in a deeper way why we need a savior, the fact that we can't save ourselves. So we get in touch with our great need, and yes, that means the darkness of the world because there's so much at stake. To enter into the promise, this is what we read in the first reading, that God promised to, to David and to all of his people that the Savior will come and he will rule the world forever and he will bring peace and life and salvation. And if you enter into the promise deep enough, it starts to sound unrealistic because it sounds too good, better than anything that we have experienced or received so far. It's a huge promise. And that's how you can tell when you're starting to take it seriously enough when you say, I don't know if this is possible when it starts to sound risky. How we enter into waiting is a little bit easier. For the people of Israel, they waited hundreds of years for the Savior. And 500 of those years were after the promise seemed impossible because the promise is that one of the sons of David will come and reign forever. In the Babylonian exile, the line of David, the dynasty, the kings that came after him, was cut off and ruined and smashed. And so for 500 years after that, after it seemed like the promise was impossible, the people of God wait until the, the Christmas that we know. So we wait for a savior. We, we wait for God. We don't jump to some sort of duct tape solution to the darkness of the world and the difficulties of our lives. We don't compromise with darkness and evil that we experience and suffer with. We wait until the promised savior arrives. So, we have one day left of Advent. How do we 
live this? How do we get ready for Christmas? There is still plenty of time to prepare ourselves for Christmas. And it basically revolves around these three things, darkness and the promise and waiting. So this is what I want to encourage you to do and what I will be doing in the next 24 hours before Christmas is here. When it comes to darkness, we, we want to become sensitive again to what we have to be saved from. Just like we build calluses on our hands when we're used to dealing with rough things, they're like a little insulation and then we don't feel the roughness of whatever we're handling. But we want to trim the calluses off so that we feel again like the difficulty, the roughness, the things that we have to be saved from. Sin or sorrow or hopelessness, or the darkness of this world or shame or oppression or division or fear or anger in all parts of our lives. You don't have to look very far. Usually it's just the things that we have told ourselves we get to just get used to and tolerate. In fact, one place to look is if, as you look forward to Christmas. What are the things that you dread? What are the things about Christmas that you tolerate? Maybe it'll be part of your family gathering or the grudges or the division that come up in that time. Maybe it will be the, the sadness and grief that comes around at Christmas time also. Now, there's plenty of joy in Christmas, certainly, but so this is just one example. Maybe Christmas isn't the, 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 the darkest time of the year for you, but like I said, it's one example. Look for the things that you tolerate and dread that you maybe have compromised with and just made peace with. These are the things where we, we want to become sensitive to them again to know our need for salvation. To enter into the promise, we want to risk something on God's promise. We want to dare to hope because the joy of Christmas is only joy if we need a savior. Now, in the gospel, when the angel Gabriel comes to Our Lady and says, after waiting for hundreds of years, now is the time the savior will be born and you will be his mother. The way that God fulfills his promise is in such a wondrous way that Mary, on receiving this news, does not say, Yes, this is what God has promised, and it's good that now he's fulfilling his promise. Instead, she says, how can this be? It's so like over the top and wonderful that she doesn't say, well, this is what you talked about, and this is what we've been expecting. She says, how can this be? It is beyond what she or anyone expected. Now, I tend to minimize God's promise, and probably you do too. I try to, to minimize it to make it something doable, so that there's not a big risk of me be being disappointed by God not fulfilling it in as great a way as I hope for. But what he tells us in the gospel today is that God always far surpasses our greatest hopes. So what do you need the Savior to do for you that you haven't asked for because it seems too much or that you've stopped asking for because apparently he will not do it for you? This is what we, we mean by risking something on the promise of God. Don't ask him for little things. I mean, you can ask him for little things, but sometimes asking for little things, it just means that we, we protect ourselves from risk of disappointment. What would it be? What, what, would, what would God do that would be so wonderful and so impossible that if God said, yes, I will do that for you because I've come to save you, that you would answer, how can this be? We have to like reach a little, aim very high 
We want to answer like Mary at the Annunciation and not someone who says, well, you said you would and now you have, thank you. Ask God for something, expand your expectations, risk something on his promise so that when, he's, when he comes as the savior, you say, wow, how can this be? You have far surpassed my hopes and expectations. The danger, and this is how you know you're entering in far enough, we make disappointment and serious disappointment a possibility. That means it matters to us whether the Savior comes. As Christmas is coming, does it matter to you? How much does it matter to you whether the Savior comes? The last thing about waiting, to wait for a Savior and to listen for his answer, it requires some silence. A really easy way to do this is just simply when you drive, don't turn on music or don't turn on a podcast. There's literally just one day between now and Christmas. If you can resolve to do that, then you'll have a lot more silence in your life to experience waiting for the Savior. It's not comfortable to wait. It's not cozy to need rescue. But what we want to do is to choose to embrace the reality of our lives, that we we cannot save ourselves, we need to be rescued, and so we will wait for our Savior. We need a Savior to rescue us because we cannot save ourselves, and the Savior is promised. He is coming. Wait for him. We will not have to wait long. Tomorrow night, the savior of the world will be born.